Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Hello. Yay. Okay, this is what? Episode 17. 17. Wow. Yes. Um, we have a third human here. <laughs> Another person third. here. Yes. His name is Ayush. Uh, he also went to LMU and he is in my year, so class of 2020. Do you want to like kind of do a little check-in on your week or like what you've been doing? Sure. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Ayush. I'm currently, so I live in LA, but I'm currently at home in the Bay Area. Oh yay, Bay! Yeah. Great. If you know Fremont, California, shout out Fremont. <laughs> yeah, just seeing my grand, my grandma, seeing my parents, both my, my, I have a twin brother and an older sister, so they're both home too. So just hanging out. Work, I'm also working, so work has been tough. I'm always tired and you know, just just trying to survive, but otherwise can't complain about anything else. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out to record with us. Of course. It's very excited to talk about whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, Yay. Summer, how are you? Um, I'm doing good too. I've just been, okay, so like this past few days, I've made like a big career path change. Like I'm deciding to, Originally, I was like, I should go into advertising, but then after taking that course, I'm still taking it, but I'm just like kind of frustrated and I feel like maybe that's not the right path for me. So I've been considering going into UX design. So now I'm trying to you know, learn more about UX. Um, I'm also taking like other classes on UX right now and I'm really excited about this new choice. Yeah, yes. so that's how my week has been. <laughs> Are you a marketing major, Summer? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, I was in the analytics pathway. And I, oh, I also cool. currently, I work in advertising now as an analyst. But I also took a UX course at LMU. I'm forgetting the name of the professor, but she was super cool. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. I'm actually in the M school. That's why I originally wanted to go into advertising. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, advertising can, you know, it can be great, but it can also suck. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Like you, I had a good, I went to the Bay. So I, I just came back from the Bay, like on Friday. And then I saw Summer in the Bay. That was the first time Eats. we like saw each other since COVID. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And then, oh my gosh, yesterday, like um, I we had people over. And we're playing Overcooked, and it was so funny, um, and I was crying because it was so funny. Wait, but what is it? It's like a game on the Switch where you basically, like, cook. You have to, like, get orders oh. out, but it's so chaotic because they do, like, different challenges every level, so some of them, like, it moves, and then some of them, like, is on ice, and then you can, like, slip off oh. and, like, <laughs> die. Yeah, so not much has been going on since coming back from the Bay. That was fun. Where did you visit in the Bay? I So we stayed with our friend Dion, like in San Jose. And then we went to like San Francisco one day. We saw summer. Like we did all the touristy things. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. And then we went to, we actually went to like Pleasanton area, I think. And then we oh, visited yeah. like Isa and we saw Colin. What else did we do? We just went around San Jose, like downtown San Jose. Uh, we went to like Mountain View. Oh, you guys mm. really, you guys did almost everything pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 
We did a lot because we were there for like a week. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Yeah, we were just chilling. Um, We watched Black Widow. It's really good. I haven't seen it yet. I heard yes. I heard mixed things, but I need to, I'm gonna make my own oh thing. okay yeah it's like up there in my Marvel movies it's so good but yeah well everyone had a good week it seems like yeet yeah. yeet okay so I guess we can talk about how Ayush and I met I don't even know I think because you lived with Colin <laughs> and then so I was like at your apartment some year yeah so i i feel like i always knew of you crystals because like you would always be around or like you'd be around mm-hmm. sometimes like i'd see you hang out with colin and then senior year when you started dating george so mm-hmm. yeah and then adjacent yeah definitely there and then you know you started to hang out a little bit more you know post covid or like as things have opened up mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's been a good time yes we want mm-hmm. to host you guys yeah, George. Like overcooked. He hasn't invited me over. You need really? to Really? I'm inviting you now. <laughs> not a good, don't tell him this, but you can totally tell him this. But he's not a good plan maker. I feel like I'm the quarterback and I have to like mm-hmm. all the details in there. And then George, George is good at showing up. Like he'll show up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I know he he goes like he misses his friends, and I'm like, why don't you text them? And he's like, I'll text them tomorrow. And then he doesn't text you guys. And I'm Wait, like, same. <laughs> Summer. <laughs> <laughs> I text you, Summer. Yeah, you're the only person I text, basically. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. We'll reunite okay. at graduation. Yeah. But yeah, I guess adjacently, we were always in the, like... Similar circles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can introduce yourself. Like, I guess you talked about, like, you're from the Bay and stuff. But a little bit about, like, your family upbringing. Whatever, how much you want to share. Sure, sure. Let's... Where do I start? From the moment you were born. Okay. So I was born. I was born in 1998 in New Jersey on the East Coast. So New Jersey is where my parents first immigrated. So they came from India and they're specifically from like the northeast of part of India. So like it sort of borders Nepal. It kind of touches China too. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, I feel like that's pretty interesting because like a lot of people, at least in the US, are from like Indians who come here from are like from the south and the west so mm-hmm. like even when i like when like indians here ask me like oh where's your family from i'll be like so the state my parents are from is called it's called bihar so i tell them that and they have no idea what that is and i'm like okay mm. that's <laughs> but then so yeah i was born i was a, i'm a twin so i'm three minutes older than my <laughs> other brother and I also have an older sister. She's three years older than the both of us. And then, so after I was born, I was there for like a couple months and then I moved to India for like a year just because we kind of had to do like a celebration tour, just like mm. the whole family could Whoa. see me and my brother. So I celebrated my first birthday there. And then from India, I came to Fremont and Fremont, mm. if you guys don't know, is like a very big very big Asian American presence out here. So like literally like Middle Eastern, Indian, Taiwanese, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, and then like a little bit of Thai and Southeast Asian. But yeah, definitely really, really fun place. I I won't call it fun. It's pretty suburban actually. But yeah, the Bay Area in general is like, was a really nice place to grow up in. And like, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's my basic upbringing. Nice. 
So you had a lot of people around you who were from the same culture. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely really interesting because growing up, I didn't like, for example, like my high school, if you, if any of the listeners of you guys heard of Mission San Jose High. Wait, yes. Yeah, so that's where I went. Did you and, went to mm. Mission? Oh. So yeah, definitely. So like, I think the statistic now, it's like 95% Asian. So mm. like, I definitely didn't grow up around a lot of white people or like any other POC besides Asian. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, honestly, like in my early upbringing, like even in like elementary school, middle school, being Indian wasn't something that like, I actively thought of all the time, unless I was in spaces where, you know, I was the clear minority. So like I played sports in high school. So like I mainly played soccer and soccer. I was usually always, I used to play with a team that like was comprised of kids from like multiple different high schools in Fremont. So like, that's where I was like the only Indian on the team a lot of the time. Cause like definitely, you know, Asian culture, like a lot of Asian kids aren't encouraged to play sports. So, but I was lucky. My parents, you know, knew that was something I was passionate about. So they let me play. So yeah, those were like, that was like the first time I was like, oh yeah, I'm kind of different than some people, you know? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when I came to LMU, I was like, oh shit. Like, I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like, yes. It was like, yeah, that was like, that's where I probably experienced the most culture shock. Like I've, yeah, it was pretty nuts, but mm-hmm. it was great being raised around like other Asians and Indians too, because like I definitely got to get a grasp of my culture. So I had like a really good foundation, but I also got to sort of like, since my parents weren't from here, there was definitely like, I guess not a lot of American culture in my household, but like, as I got to like, you know, as I grew older you know I got exposed to like different things like I can't tell you what American culture is honestly I guess football and like just like sports was probably the outlet for me but yeah it was definitely like a good balance of both and yeah it was definitely a good time I think college is when I learned how to balance both you know because there was like times where I was like super homesick and like you know my number of brown friends definitely dropped drastically when I came to LMU. There was definitely some, mm-hmm. so I was super grateful for that. But yeah, it was definitely a really interesting time of like how to balance both, you know, and then like sort of like how both sides contribute to my identity. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like interesting hearing you say that you got culture shock just like from moving to college. Cause I feel like people think about like culture shock in the sense of moving to a new place or a new state or like moving like immigrating but then like yeah Mm -hmm. like college is like it really exposes you to other things and I feel like we can both relate to like the growing up with everyone around you who looked like you and then yeah come to the U.S. and you're like what is this Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I 100% agree I was yeah I was definitely in a bubble so it was just like yeah like there was nothing I guess I mean, I guess like the fact that it was in Fremont is in America, but there wasn't like a lot of American things about Fremont, you know, like mm-hmm. all my friends love, like love getting Indian food or getting Korean barbecue. And like, yeah. I'd have boba like four times a week. Like, <laughs> so yeah, there was just like, those are the things that were like a part of my upbringing. So like coming to college, like, like it's crazy how like just 
like a one hour flight, you know, going to college, like you, you would think that would just be like the same thing, but like just the makeup of college and like mm-hmm. a more diversity and definitely being around more like white people was just like, yeah, it was like a whole other world. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. You were also like part of the Indian American club. I don't know what, what it's called. Yeah. So Wait. it's called the South Asian Student Association. Okay. So yeah, I was the president for my like like middle of sophomore year to like mm. first semester of my senior year. And that was definitely great because I I really liked LMU because it was like, you know, I definitely wanted to broaden my horizons. Cause like I knew like, okay, my high school is like, I love it and all, but I need to like, you know, be around a more diverse set of people. Not saying that mm-hmm. LMU was the most diverse either, but it was just, it was nice. It felt good knowing that there was like a space for South Asian students. And when I came, it was a relative, it was a pretty, like compared to other API clubs, pretty small, but it was nice sort of like being around other people and as a president being able to like set a foundation for the club. So like, for example, previously we didn't celebrate any of the major holidays on campus, but then, you know, in my first two years, we were able to do like the major ones, which are Diwali and Holi. And mm. yeah, it's been really cool just like having a space where like, not just like Indian American students, but like also like a large international population from like India. And then you have some kids who are from Bangladesh and Pakistan too. So just like having a space where it's like as inclusive as it could be. So it was definitely a mm-hmm. really experience. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So we also want to learn more about, um, have you ever experienced microaggressions from other Asians or Asian Americans since you talk about how you grew up in a mainly Asian American community? Yeah, so I'd say in Fremont, like not as much because I don't mm-hmm. think, I feel like things were pretty, yeah, I'm trying to think of moments because I feel like in high school, I'd, there could have been microaggressions for sure. Definitely microaggressions for from like non-Asians. But I think in college for sure. Because like, there are definitely, yeah, like you have your Asians who are like, you know, who grew up around other Asians and then there are Asians who did not. And definitely like in ways people say things, you can definitely kind of get an idea of like the preconceived notions that they have about you. So, like, for example, like, a big one that I experienced was hygiene. So, like, a lot of the times, just, like, hmm, I don't want to out anyone because they're all my, (laughs) you know, they're all my, they're all my, they're all my best friends today. So, like, my roommate, for example, um, my roommate, for example, I guess, I guess, uh, (laughs) this is outing him a lot, but he's not. Wait, your roommate in college? Yes. Oh, <laughs> okay. So my other roommate, for example, like let's say things were dirty in the apartment, for example, or the dorm, like kind of like the blame, you know how there's like a blame game of like, oh, who created this mess, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. Like that's probably an example of like, you know, a lot of fingers were getting pointed at me and I could tell there was like mm-hmm. some sort of like stereotyping going on over here, mm-hmm. you know? And like never, yeah, I feel like, all my Asian homies were super nice to me. Like they were all like, mm. for the most part, definitely the non-Asian ones. Yeah, there, there are stories there. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think as bad as it was, I think it was like 
in a weird way yeah in a pretty weird way like a good experience because it's like okay like I'm out of my bubble and these are things that hopefully not for much longer but then like for a while that I'm still gonna have to experience so it's just like how to kind of roll with the punches and not let these things drag you down too much you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think like because like the Asian American people who are Asian American I guess like fit into that it's so broad like there's people from like East Asia and then there's people from like Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's always East Asians who are the ones who people think are Asian American like I feel like people Mm -hmm. that's what people think of right away when they think Asian American and I feel like in well in Hong Kong like it is majority Chinese and like other east asian people come and live here too but i think that there's a huge like racism issue with people who are also from asia a prominent issue in hong kong is like people who come from the philippines like they're often they come here mostly women they come to hong kong to like live with families and then like help out with the family so they're basically like helpers or like housekeepers or caretakers domestic helpers domestic helpers Mm -hmm. is the term um, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people who are from China or Hong Kong are very racist in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't really, like, recognize that, oh, they mm-hmm. are also Asian or they're also from Asia. So there's definitely, like, a class yeah. difference and, like, power difference. And they're often treated really badly in Hong Kong as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I, th- I think that, like, the term Asian American is so broad that there are like like you said there are so many groups inside and also like a lot of the times at least like the environment that I grew up in even like in San Francisco are still very like segregated in a way like I have a lot of East Asian friends but I don't have a lot of Southeast Asian friends and I feel like because of that it's very easy to like buy into the stereotypes of um a certain efforts mm-hmm. yeah and I think coming from Asia it was definitely like an awakening for when I went to college yeah oh so oh culture shock well because like I feel like my worldview is pretty limited in Asia about like Asia in general so what I thought was like Asian or was East Asian like people who like looked like yeah. me and I came here yeah. and then it was so it was kind of like a weird like realization because then I made friends who were Filipino and I was like, this is so weird because people in Hong Kong, like Filipino people in Hong Kong are like of a lower social status usually. Mm-hmm. So it was very weird seeing that. And like I actually have a lot of friends from college who are Filipino and like in the back of my mind sometimes I'm like, it's such a different context yeah in hong kong and i was like thinking about this yesterday too i feel like and like when i first came here like i think i have a very like fixed preconception of like what indian or like filipino looks like and when i come here and i saw like some of the filipinos and they kind of just look like me and i was like wait what those are filipinos i was like so confused when i first like moved here and at the same time, like, last night, I was watching um, a Cantonese show with my dad. And there was, um, I think the character was, like, Pakistan or something. And it's just so weird how they're always, like, they always play the terrorist role. 
in <laughs> in the in the drama mm-hmm. or like the other terrorists or like uh I don't even all like domestic helpers and mm-hmm. it's so interesting how they even have a voice over over their voice like why can't you just give them their real voice why do, does it have to be a voice over and I was just so interesting and I feel like a lot of my conception about like other Asian groups are all like pretty much shaped by media as well yeah yeah I feel like at least in American media so like the example I like bringing up is Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. we did yeah. a phenomenal job of just showing like the different sides of Asia except for South Asia because I remember the, yeah. only, scene, the only scene where it displayed any South Asian representation were the guards at the front when they're trying to enter like mm. oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it was, like, they were just like super intimidating they didn't say a single word mm. and I was like all right cool that's our representation right there so yeah. like yeah exactly that part was disappointing I definitely think it was definitely it was like a right step it was a right you know it was a bleh, I can't speak right now it was, <laughs> it was very progressive is what mm-hmm. I meant and mm-hmm. you know and I feel like at least in American media, the reason why, like, you know, when Americans say Asian, we think of East Asia, because that's just who the first Asians in America were, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of going back to, like, the formations of the transcontinental railroad, and, like, the early, like, the first and second centuries of the U.S., you know, that's where most immigrants came from, and I'd say, Mm -hmm. like, most South Asians started coming into the U.S. in the 80s and the 90s, so... Mm. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of like, it's, and like, it's interesting because like, I've talked about this with a friend where it's like, Asia, Asian in the US means like East Asian, Chinese, Japanese, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah. the UK, when someone says Asian, they always mean Indian, and that's just because mm-hmm. they're the majority, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's definitely shaped, I guess, it's like a weird, like, sometimes I like, calm, I see myself like referring to myself as Asian, but then people are like, my Indian friends like, why are you referring to yourself as Asian? You're Indian, and I'm like, but we're in the same, we're in the Indian. I mean, yeah. sorry, we're in the Indian continent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, yeah, we are pretty different, but like, we still have a ton of similarities. So it's just like, yeah, it's definitely like a weird, yeah, it's a weird state to be in, I guess. Yeah, definitely like East Asia is more glorified. I feel like um, even when we're watching Raya and the Last Dragon, I don't know if you've seen Ayush, but I was watching it with like. Was I what? No, I wasn't. But I was talking about it with Madison, um, and she's like half white, half Filipino, and this movie is supposed to showcase Asian culture, right? Um, and then she was like, "I think the only thing that was Filipino was a stick that she was holding." And she was like, "I guess I'm a stick then." And I was like, "Yeah, like that is why people lump every Asian American together. They're trying, I guess, but kind of, kind of. I definitely in definitely some like movies or TV shows they tried to." be as broad as possible mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm trying to think of a decent example like Aladdin Aladdin was like a broad like yeah it was like it had like some South Asian like elements it had some like Middle Eastern Arabic elements but it's not like specific you know so it's like mm-hmm. I don't know how long it'll take till we get to like the specific representation but I'm just happy you know like not so long ago, they had white people playing Indian people in movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in the, it's going in the right way. 
Yeah. They had Scarlett Johansson play in the Ghost in the Shell. Is that the movie? Ghost yeah. in a... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Funny. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. That's... Yeah. So when we went to see Black Widow, we were like, look, Asian representation. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I guess we can define colorism because um, we've been talking about that. Um, so I found this definition. Colorism is a form of discrimination that favors light-skinned members of the same ethnic group. I don't want to mispronounce her name. Gioti Gupta? Um, she is like an organizer of the Colorism Project. Um, she's Indian American, and she basically says that colorism thrives on a community silence is the practice of creating or a system that creates opportunities for people with light skin regardless of their true strengths. I don't know. Do you go back to India often, Ayush, or do you... So... I used to go back way more when I was younger. So the last time I went was right before freshman year of college. And then I was trying to go like right after college, but obviously mm-hmm. COVID there has not been good. But yeah, I definitely still get like a lot of family members who like, you know, like my cousins who came to college in the US or like my grandma is like here pretty much 10 months out of the year. So I have relatives. That mm-hmm. Do you like see this happen in your own experience oh 100 percent. so my so my grandma on my dad's side she's a for she's like a she's a boomer and um so she was only really educated to like what's equivalent to like the fourth grade so like mm-hmm. definitely her like worldview was a lot smaller so it's like you know so she's had she definitely has like these colorist ideals of like you know obviously like the dark you are the more undesirable you're going to be so for example like I used to be like what's considered fair I don't know how I could show you guys but like the inside of my arm this is not good lighting at all but like I've gotten a lot darker just because like you know I played sports I'm always in the California sun and like there would be times when I was like a kid and she would like try to stop me from going outside she's like you're not going outside like you're gonna get darker and it's like it's not going to be good. Even like when I keep facial hair, she's like, oh, this facial hair makes you look darker. Like you should take it Mm -hmm. off. You're going to look more fair. And my, I feel, and for Avnish, my twin brother, it was rougher because he's naturally more dark than I am. So like, he definitely got like comments from my like grandparents and family too. So it was just like, yeah, it's super, it's super messed up. Cause it's just like, as a kid, you're just like, like, what the hell are you talking about but like now that you think of back to it and like how like you know I guess I've educated myself more I'm like oh okay that's pretty messed up you know and yeah for some kids like some of my other friends like they've definitely had it worse where it's like you know their parents will encourage them to take this product in India that we it's called fair and lovely and it's just like yeah it's just a cream that makes you way more fair and it's promoted by every single like like mega Bollywood actor and actress in the country so just like yeah it's the standard I guess and Mm -hmm. I'm glad it hasn't so it's I would say it's probably not as bad here because back in India and like seeing like some of my cousins starting to get into like arranged marriage mode like in that part of their lives like definitely like yeah skin color is something that's talked about and I'm like why should it be talked about but it's like such a colorism is such a long institution that was pretty much I feel like 
I feel like it's definitely came from the British, like British mm-hmm. colonization. Yeah. It's, it's just super sad to see it actually still exist. And yeah, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just like a reflection on, I guess, Asians want to be like more like white people. I just feel like white people are portrayed in such a like high angelic or whatever high status and I feel like people want to get as close to that as possible I know like in Korea too people have like skin Mm -hmm. whitening um I think I read somewhere that like Japan chose white as their flag color as well colorism well because like the color white like is like pure pure. and like yeah yeah It's, it's I think it's just so like it's so interesting how ingrained it is in our own culture like I have, um, back in Hong Kong, I have friends who have darker skin too. And she'll always be made fun of. And like she'll apply, like also apply all these like cream, actually with Korean um, skincare. I think it's called snail white. Mm-hmm. And basically it just helps you like whiten your skin. But then at the same time, it can be very damaging and very drying too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I tan really easily and my parents are definitely like don't. Don't stay in the sun for too long. You're going to get tan. Yeah. Um, it's sad. But yeah. um, I feel like it's so rarely talked about, like, colorism, especially in the U.S. context, in the context of Asian American um, community. I guess, like, why is it so rarely spoken about? Like, we can just discuss this because I have been thinking about this, too. Um, and honestly, for myself, like, it, it hasn't been, like, a topic of, like, social justice that I have really – researched or educated myself on until like recently so I don't know if you have any thoughts on like why it has been so untalked about I think when it comes to like the I guess toxic things that like Asian like Asians like all-encompassing will do to like like you said like be as close to whiteness as possible we don't really think of it as toxic because we're striving they think they're striving for a better thing or they're striving for something that will provide them more security and mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like yeah it is tough like it's always yeah that's a tough question where it's like oh why do we think like this but mm-hmm. it's just like, at least in the Indian context it's just like standards that have been around since like mm-hmm. co- colonial times and it's just like that's just the way it's been and it's it's nice because now that like you know m- my family's moved over to the U.S. like my sister, me, my brother are starting to like chip away at these like very traditional ideas. Like, and we're questioning things like, oh, why are things like this? Like, why do we like discuss these things in certain ways? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like definitely with my dad. Yeah, well, like we'll hear him talk about colorism or like career choices, career paths, like capitalism. And it's just like, why do we think this way? And it's like always really tied back to what the effects of colonialism were you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think for like as someone who's Chinese I think we don't talk about it as much in like um at least Hong Kong or like in general is because I feel like it gives us an advantage like I feel like it gives Chinese people like more power to be like oh I am better than this other group and I feel like that's why we don't recognize it we like to keep it like that way which is I feel like the system's fault, but also it's hard to recognize, like, as you said, when you're in it and when you're, like, growing up in it. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I feel like most immigrant parents are just, like, 
social justice issues do not matter. Like just chase the bag, you know, get yourself a mm-hmm. good and you'll be fine. Like, I feel like at least with my parents, it was like, they almost wanted my upbringing to be like, yeah, they sure wanted, still wanted me to be cultured, but they wanted me to have like a white socioeconomic background, which they definitely mm. like provided me such a great life. And, you know, were able to send me to like school and provide me a bunch of things. But like, yeah, I guess being in America, like also when where these same ideals are sort of upheld similar colonial times, it does kind of remind you just like, hey, like, you know, the ideals that were when you move from India to the US are still somewhat the same. So it's like, it helped, it reminded me that, you know, things haven't really changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if, if it's right, but what do y'all think about, like, do you feel like maybe because, like, racism is a lot prevalent in the U.S. and that's why colorism is not as spoken about? Because I feel mm. like when I think about... For example, like I think a lot of white people they like they like to tan their skin. Yeah, tanning their mm-hmm. skin doesn't mean they will get less of a privilege. And I remember when I was a kid, like my dad is not opposed of me like tanning my skin, but it has to be like at a certain point, like look like white people. But for my mm. skin tone, it's impossible to get tan like white people. And I just feel like that's so interesting. I feel like. Do y'all feel like because racism is a lot more prevalent and that's why maybe colorism is not as spoken about? Mm, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I was just going to bring up, it's like so messed up where like, you know, definitely colorism plays a part in the U.S. in terms of definitely beauty standards, but it's so messed up how like white people and fair skinned people like sort of want to attain they want to attain like a darker skin through tanning. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like I don't even know how to describe that. Yeah. And that goes for multiple things, like specifically with Indian culture. Like, you know, I definitely had friends who, you know, told, like talked about experiences where they were made fun of like the food they ate or mm-hmm. like the food they ate or the clothes they wore or like, you know, having a bindi on their head, which is like the little dot that a lot of Indian women or Hindu women have for religious purposes but now you're seeing like other people appropriate they appropriate that culture and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden and cool it's kind of like similar to like you know tanning how like tanning is like a trendy I guess not trendy because it's been around for days but like it's sort of the thing that white people like want to attain but like for us it's something that's looked down upon you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's true there's a lot of things that white people do that would not be the same like when it when POC does it. I feel like colorism is so ingrained in racism though. Yeah, they're like Yeah. I think it's just like the reason why because I feel like colorism hurts African Americans and black people the most. So it's just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I might be dark, but I'm not as dark as the next darkest person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like you know, you don't really talk about it because you're not the, you're not like the darkest person for the most part, I guess, at least for me or like people in my family. It was just like, you know, as long as you're not the worst case, in then quotes. Fine. Yeah, in quotes, then you're like, then it's not a big deal. And it's not something worth talking about. 
you know but there's definitely yeah there's definitely people lighter than me there's definitely people darker than me so it's just like I'm sort of in the middle and in the U.S. there's definitely like sure like going back to like my like my dad especially like who definitely like first coming to the U.S. didn't really ha- care about social issues or social mm-hmm. justice. Like, oh like this this won't be a big deal at all but in reality it does make a difference like in like human mainly in like social interaction especially when you're meeting new people because mm-hmm. people do have these preconceived notions about you know people who have darker skin mm-hmm. yeah okay so we kind of want to ask you about how you reconcile like your contradicting values between western and indian culture because you, you grew up in um a pretty predominantly asian i mean indian community and also your family as well so yeah how like do you kind of balance that? And as you said in college too, you said in college you kind of like learned to balance those two parts of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely go. So definitely the big emphasis in my high school upbringing was academics. And I definitely had a, and if you ask a lot of kids from Mission San Jose, had a terrible time in high school because it was just mm-hmm. like, there's definitely like a toxic sort of environment around like, overachieving be doing all the APs being a part of all the extracurriculars you know like Asian shit you know (laughs) (laughs) and I personally did not thrive in that environment because it was just like like at an early age I was definitely a slower learner than everyone else like in terms of pace I felt like I was always falling behind and it also Mm -hmm. didn't like you know you have kids who are like you know going around being like oh like what did you get on this test like oh you did so poor or like Mm. just kind of like you know like a rat race you know like who's gonna do the best like who's gonna be the kid who goes to like the best university and gets the best job so I definitely that was one part of I don't know if I should attribute that to Asian culture but I definitely see that the most with Asian people just because I feel like like definitely immigrant parents instill that like capitalistic mindset of just like oh you need to be the very best you can so you can put yourself in the best position even if it means you're sacrificing your mental health and your mental well-being so my mental health was garbage in a high school and <laughs> and yeah so definitely going into like LMU I was exposed to like different types of people who you know it was nice meeting people for the first time that were not as like you know academic focused you know like sure they cared about school you know we're spending a lot of money to go here but there was so much more to them you know just besides what they're studying how they're doing in those classes you know people had like mm-hmm. and definitely people in like my high school had hobbies and interests but those weren't things that were like you know highlighted it was like your self-worth was kind of based off of like oh how did your teachers like you how are you doing in school like how bright do you seem you know Mm -hmm. and I definitely so like definitely like with contradicting values I pick and choose things so like one thing I love about Indian and Asian values is just like the focus around family because it's just like that's what we that's that's all we got you know we all we have is family and I just love the how it's so tight-knit and like you have a support network that's always there for you even if you're at your lowest and and then yeah going back you know, to the toxic side, like, yeah, there are toxic things that come with that too. But I think it's nice when you're able to pick and choose things. So it's like, 
you kind of able to find a balance of like, at least for me, it's like, you know, you're enjoying life, you know, you get to explore your hobbies, you know, you have a family that supports you. And I think those are things that matter the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I answered that question. Well, let yeah. Me- yeah, no. Yeah, that just made me think about the TikTok where it's like, um, what toxic traits are you not passing down to your children? <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. pick and choose. You honestly pick and choose what you deem like is something that you want to carry on, like the good parts. There's definitely good and bad. Okay, so the next thing we want to learn more about you is how does your Indian American identity affect your worldview, relationships, and career choice? Hmm, relationships. I guess worldview, I kind of get to see things from two lenses. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, I get to see like, you know, how my Indian American friends, because I think that there's a distinction between Indian American and Indian. So like the way mm-hmm. I things is probably more similar to how my friends view things here because we're mainly very liberal as being like a minority but definitely like let's for example like my immediate cousins being Indian Hindu from a majority Indian Hindu country is completely different as well so they tend to be more conservative and it's mm-hmm. just like, it is nice because I get to see both sides of things like especially when there's issues in India I tend to sympathize with the minority so like in India it's the Mm -hmm. Muslim because like I'm a minority here and I I know what it feels like to like be a part of a community that doesn't have the largest voice Mm -hmm. and then in terms of relationships I guess also a thing I sort of like to balance because coming out of high school I really only had Indian friends there's definitely like parts of my personality where I can relate more to non-Indian people you know so like for example not that none not that none of my Indian friends are into sports for example but like going into college I was able to find more people who were into soccer because more people like I guess like outside of Asian communities were able to explore that as a hobby when they were kids Mm. and only count on like one hand like I played for like seven years like on a travel team and like I only really saw like two kids like two other Indian kids ever and maybe one mm-hmm. of them. So it was definitely nice because I think from a passion and hobby perspective, I was like my American side, I was able to find more people there because I feel like in the Asian community, like, you know, we're all encouraged to go into like STEM pathways and that just wasn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely affects those. But I, I guess in terms of relationships, so I'm dating someone right now and she's Indian and like, it is definitely very like it's nice because we're both Indian American so like you know we can talk about our culture we can talk about what's going on within our families and we'll be able to understand each other Mm -hmm. like for example like I dated a girl in high school and I kept that a secret for like three years and when I explained that to my white friends at school they were like you kept a secret kept that a secret for three years I introduced them on the first day I'm like that's so white and I'm just like (laughs) so yeah yeah, like having those similar values but also just kind of like having the worldview of just like understanding like we're both kind of going we both have like similar life experiences of like you know some in some situations being more American or being more Indian you know but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day they really just kind of fuse into one unique thing and it's just kind of different and yeah it's cool Mm -hmm. and then career choices I sort of touched upon that definitely 
I mean, yeah, I was a pretty slow learner. And I think my parents, my parents have been really chill in terms of just like letting me do what I want. I think my parents, or at least my dad will always try, sort of nudge me into like that STEM or like hard skills area. So like, for example, I was a marketing major and when, so they introduced the new pathway system, I'm sure Summer knows all about. And when it came time, so I didn't get into M school, that was a bummer, but it was okay. And, and um, yeah, when it was time to pick pathways, I wanted to talk to my dad, obviously, because he's paying for this shit. And I was just like, okay, I need to run this decision by my, by him. And I showed him the three options for pathways. And he was like, analytics, like he didn't even look at the other ones. He was like, do analytics. (laughs) It's numbers, it's good, you're gonna get some hard skills out of it. And I was like, you know, like I was okay with it because like okay this seems pretty this seems pretty interesting but I know like with my other friends you know definitely if if they picked a career path out of being an engineer a doctor or any sort of like anything in that realm it would be an issue because it's definitely like those things like even though we're Indian American those standards I guess of or the status you get from being someone in STEM, it's still, it's still there. And it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Getting, I think it's hundred percent getting better. I'm starting to see like my friend's siblings and just like those guys or like, even like my nieces who are like, and like their parents talk about like, oh yeah, my kid can be whatever they want. So it's like, I think with a like another generation, it'll be, you'll see more representation just outside of STEM from mm-hmm. Indian. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that is very relatable. <laughs> and I agree with what you said about like how it shaped your worldview because I feel like because like especially right now I'm living with my parents right now and they're like more conservative in like American sense. And I think it's very interesting how I get to see especially like about politics, I get to see like both sides of the story and it kind of just allows me to take things into perspective and I think that's really important would you say your parents fall under like the model minority category I think so yeah (laughs) so I think my parents for a while too so definitely talking about like black lives matter with my parents like one thing that like my aunties are like or my uncles would always bring up would just be like oh it's because we have a better culture you know it's because you know Mm, we have these things but like in reality it's just like a yeah it's just a construct that divides us and if there was POC POC unity we'd be unstoppable but not yet yet. no hopefully we'll get there POC unity yeah and there's like from what you said that reminded me of I think it's so interesting how like American is supposed to be like the most like capitalistic society in my point of view but a lot of times I just feel like my parents our Asian parents they're like even more capitalistic than the friends around me mm-hmm. mm. oh 100% because it's just like I mean that's what they learned I feel like yeah I mean, I can't speak to exactly my parents' experience being in, like, colonial society, but I can imagine, like, being in a country where, like, your, the resources were just taken and, like, you know, poverty definitely isn't in a good, like, Mm -hmm. like, the only way, like, definitely, like, my dad's goal was, like, getting out of India 
you know, once he was like gone to college. So it's just like, if I can just outwork everyone, I can be happy and I'll be seen as equal, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, in reality, like if you're a person of color, it's very unlikely you'll always be seen as equal. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, I feel like the model minority also plays into that because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, look, Chinese people are very rich. And then they just lump everyone together and they're like, wow, Asians are not marginalized anymore. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's more detrimental than like mm-hmm. a good thing. For ex- sorry, like for example, like in Long Beach, there's a huge community of Southeast Asians like Hmong, Laotian, Cambodian, like me out there that's like that has like the worst poverty rates amongst like most minority groups in the u.s but like because of the model minority myth you know they're Mm -hmm. all the time yeah yeah i read like in the news before because of the model minority myth like some school like limited the amount of asian americans or asians that they would accept into their Mm -hmm. school because they're like oh it's not fair because it's it's easier for or like yeah, it's for just... Asian thinking too. Mm-hmm. No, I remember they lump Asian and white in the same group. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of the percentage that they this can. This is in Washington. I mean. This is in Washington. Oh, like Washington mm-hmm. State. Yeah, well, some high school district in Washington State, and it's surprising because like this community has is just like it's in a big tech hub, so obviously there'll be a lot of Asian immigrants and Asian Americans. So just like, yeah, when I saw that news, I was just. I was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I guess our next question for you is that are there any stereotypes about Indian Americans or like Indians, India as a country and Indian culture that are not true or like that you would like to debunk? We don't have examples for you to debunk. We should have. I think hygiene. Hygiene's a big one. Indians are actually like the cleanest people. Like, definitely, like, you know, in India, there's, def- like, a government, the government's not the best, you know, mm-hmm. just because of overpopulation, like, there will be some hygiene issues, but I think the people in general are very clean. Like, for example, I don't know if this is, like, too TMI, but do you guys, in in Hong Kong, do you guys have bidets? Have what? what? Bidets? Do you get in Hong B- Kong? Or- what is they? <laughs> so... It's like, okay, so like when you go to the bathroom, you know, in the US, you wipe, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, I might be digging myself into a hole. This might be an awful. <laughs> but for, yeah, so for example, like, but in India, we use water, for example, mm-hmm. to like clean ourselves, right? And like when I explain that to like my non Indian friend, they're just like, oh, that's so dirty. Like, why would you, why wouldn't you just use like toilet paper like a regular person? And it was just like, those are the types of things that, you know, that will contribute to, you know, those stereotypes. Yeah, I definitely dug myself into a hole. Yeah. Wait, how do you spell it? I'm curious now. B-I-D-E-T. It also comes in like, like, you know, in Japanese toilets, how they have like... B-I-D-E-T. Oh. Or like... Oh, like the electronic ones? Yeah, so like... It's, yeah, yeah. It's similar in like, I know that's big in Japan, where it's like, it's, there's like mm-hmm. a spout and, and it'll like spray... I don't know if this yes. is information. So, no. Yeah. So we have, yeah. those, we have, there's those as well. But people find, like, people, like, who I guess don't know a lot about Indian culture or, like, just Indian, like, things we do in general is, yeah, that messes with them. And yeah. 
Hygiene's a big one, I guess. Are we frugal? Yeah, we can be frugal. I can be very frugal. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that's partially true. And then definitely the like hygiene kind of plays into this too, but like kind of being the least desirable. Like we definitely have a lot of beautiful people out in India and also Indian Americans. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Mrs. Worlds have been Indian people. But I think like it goes back to like, you know, also body hair, like people view body hair as something that's very undesirable mm-hmm. and hygienic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that status isn't true, but like like from a hereditary standpoint, we have so much body hair because the way someone explained it to me was like, since it's such a tropical climate, it's kind of like a moisture wicking mechanism. So it just mm. makes sure the body temperature is cooler. Mm. True. Yeah. I didn't know that for a really long time. And I was like, mm. okay, that sounds pretty cool. We're just like wearing, our body hair is like Nike. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I feel like food is a big thing too. Do you feel like people have like misconceptions or like find Indian food gross? Because I'm sure like in like I know people find kimchi like smelly or like people find like Chinese chicken feet like gross and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I under so I from a standpoint like I understand it because like if there's a flavor you haven't smelled before, like yeah, sure, it'll seem like very like it'll seem very extreme at the first time. So like I visited Shanghai before and I remember it was being mm-hmm. and like kind of the little boots where they're selling like chicken feet and like a whole other sort of meats. I was like, whoa, that's like, that's like something I've never smelled before. Like, and oh yeah, this was like a story I was going to bring up. So freshman year, my unnamed college roommate. So I had just brought, <laughs> brought food from home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will be, yeah, like when Indian food's cold, sometimes, you know, it might not have the best smell. You got to really heat it up to get like the nice smells out. But my roommate, he was just like, he left a sticky note and he was like, hey, throw out your Indian food. It smells really bad. And I was like, oh man, my roommate's a racist. But then I came, and then he came back and he was like, dude, I'm so sorry for leaving that sticky note. Like, and then I made him try it and I warmed it up and I gave it to him. And he was like, this is the best food I've ever had before. So I was just, oh yeah, I, I cured racism with my food. <laughs> yes. But oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, like, even, like, when I had, like, smelled kimchi for the first time, like, I was like, whoa, this is, like, very extreme. But then I had it, and I'm like, I feel great. My dad eats kimchi. <laughs> every time. Like, it's like, yeah, it's just stuff. It's, like, stuff you just have to get used to, you know, and then it'll mm-hmm. feel warm. True. Food is, like, a starting point to dismantle racism. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I guess we can wrap up because it's been an hour. Time flew. I guess to wrap up, like, what is the one thing you appreciate most about your culture? I guess I already kind of said it, but family, you know, like I definitely, I wouldn't describe myself as the most Indian Indian person. I think it's because like Indian to me when I was growing up was just being like very academically minded and being very smart. And because I wasn't that, or at least I didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel Indian. So like, I didn't feel Indian all the time. You know, I just felt like kind of like an outsider. And I think, but the thing I really loved the most are that was just a family orientation, like just like having a sort of like collectivist family where it's like, you know, we're all there to support each other. And we're like, for example, like funerals is something like is, you know, that we'd regularly think is like super sad. 
but like at my like families like when we've like had funerals for like my grandparents or like aunts and uncles it's just like so like as sad as I can be just having my whole family there or like having everyone there just to like pick you up and make you smile is like especially at my grandma's funeral which was like a year or two years ago was like the most uplifting thing and that's what makes me proud to be Indian just like how we're all there to support each other even though it can be super toxic sometimes and like mm-hmm. have, there are issues I think you know things are heading in the right direction with like Indian Americans you know sort of like taking the torch and now that we're going to be like I guess the leaders of our family will be able to like pass down you know altered family ideals and values and mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think yeah those are things I'm most proud of oh wholesome also you should plug your podcast so people can go listen yeah definitely the views yeah the views have only been good for a couple episodes but yeah I so my podcast so it's just me and my five other friends from high school and we sort of it's called the just like me podcast so it's at just like me podcast and it's just it was our pastime during the pandemic because we couldn't see each other and it was just like a great way to do something that we've never done before was host a podcast and I understand what you guys are doing just like from the editing perspective obviously you guys are a lot better like you guys have intro music and all that cool stuff (laughs) no no, like I'm you guys like and your social media game is so much better (laughs) all summer thank you but you know check it out you definitely talk about a wide variety of things you know you can definitely get perspective from like especially like when we talk about South Asian issues or issues on racism because like I think like it's interesting thing how like other Indian Americans internalize things because it's not always the same as me. So it's always important to like, uh, I, you just followed it. I know, I followed. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really cool just to hear like what everyone, like even though we were all six brown dudes who grew up in the Bay Area, like, okay, what worldview are these guys going to have? But like, I think it's still really interesting how like we each have a different perspective on things. So mm-hmm. yeah, give it a look. Yes, yes. We, we, will, we will tag you. Mm-hmm. Also, I have like, well, not a lot, but two resources that I wanted people to check out if they were more interested. So there's a book called Whiter. It's called Whiter Asian American Woman on Skin Color and Colorism by Nikki Kana. Um, and she's a biracial Indian American woman. So I feel like that would be a good resource. Um, also, the person I mentioned before, Jyoti Gupta, um, she her website is www.jyotigupta.com and she like runs a project called the colorism project so you can donate to her on her website and also she has an instagram called the colorism project and it's very informative but yeah those are two resources that I, that I found that I feel like would be educational but yeah. awesome yay yes thanks Great. for being here again thanks for coming Thank you, guys. A lot of fun. Yes. Okay. I guess we'll see you in the next episode. Outro music.